Welcome back to Why Two Kids. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And this is the show where we revisit nostalgia from our childhood, the late 90s, early 2000s. We're not 90s kids, we're Why Two Kids. It's been a while since we have had an episode. In fact, I think it was my birthday special was the last episode. We were supposed to have one last week. We'll talk about why we didn't. Um, and this week we're sick, but we couldn't not record uh, because, of course, today's episode is about us going to see the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, we have pushed off podcast filming for, like, across the Recording. Board. That's what I meant. Podcast recording across the board for, like, a very long time because we have been sick for, like, a week. We can't seem to shake it. So if you listen to any of our podcasts this week, we're just going to sound sick in them, unfortunately. But we're we're on the mend. So no episode last week because we were supposed to finally, after a year, supposed to do our Colin and Brad episode, our Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood episode as a follow-up to our Whose Line Is It Anyway episode. Anybody who's listened to the show for a while knows that this kind of became an ongoing thing early on in this podcast. I showed Taylor Whose Line. We watched a bunch of it. We went and saw some of those fellas live. That show did not turn out the way that we wanted it to. We documented that in an episode, I think it was last November. Um, and we were supposed to see Colin and Brad last year. Uh, but then one of them had COVID and the show got bumped a whole year. That was supposed to be last week's episode. We were in the car on the way to the show and boom, popped a flat tire and missed the show entirely. And so instead of coming up with a substitute, we were just like, you know what? We'll just talk about the Jonas Brothers next week. So that's what this show is. And long story short, not only did we pop a tire, but we had to get a new car. So we've just kind of been going through it a little bit. We didn't have to get a new car. We did, we, we used that as an opportunity to get a new car. Um, but now we're riding around in style and uh, and life is, is good. Um, no snack of the week this week. Um, I, actually... We had what I wanted to be a future snack of the week on our way to the Jonas Brothers. So I thought we kind of might talk about that here. I wanted at some point to do the Burger King chicken wraps, these snack wraps, because they are a, a McDonald's snack wrap throwback and very clearly kind of ripping that off. The, the snack wrap um, industry has been desolate for the past decade plus. And that was a very Y2 not, Kids not thing. I think it has. No, I used to eat them drunk in college. So okay, anyway. <laughs> it's been a while. That was very Y2 Kids core, though, I think. So, okay, this is something that blows my mind every time we talk about it. I did not... First of all, I didn't really eat McDonald's growing up. It's a whole thing. I mentioned it before. My mom found glass in her burger when I was in high school. That made us made my mom swear off McDonald's forever, which, like, understandable. Um, but also before that, my mom just, like, would choose any other place over McDonald's. She just found it really disgusting and did not want to eat there. Um, I wish I had her strengths. I do not. But... Um, we were Wendy's snack wrap kids, so I don't think I even knew that McDonald's had snack wraps until I was in college and I was going to the McDonald's by campus, buzzed at 2 a.m. after a party, and then started getting there. And I remember in the prime, like my freshman year of college, I would get a snack wrap and a Go-Gurt, which is just like so Y2K. So it looks like you caught the very end of that because snack wraps were 2006 to 2016, which yeah. would have been your freshman, freshman year. year. Yeah, and so Wendy's 
got rid of them, I think, before that, though. And Wendy's had, I think, ranch, honey mustard, and spicy. And we, my mom and I, ate Wendy's snack wraps all the time. We loved them. And Wendy's also just brought back, uh, I think it's a spicy wrap, or maybe it's a ranch wrap. I can't remember. They only brought back one flavor. I've had that also pretty good. But, yeah, something just hit different about a snack wrap. And I have to say, like... If I were any of the major food chains, and McDonald's was the last person to have a snack wrap, once they got rid of them, you better believe that I'd be in the lab trying to bring out a snack wrap the next week to, to fill this hole in the market. People, um, I followed this girl on um, uh, Instagram and, and YouTube and stuff, uh, Brooke Michio, if you're familiar, and she has this whole like side brand of like, being obsessive over the McDonald's snack wraps, and she, like, flew to Canada because they still have them there. And so Burger King has kind of made their own version now. Yes. So let's get into it. So, yeah, we were running what we thought was very late. I thought that there was going to be, like, it was going to be a hassle, like, getting into the concert and stuff. This, the um, arena that we saw it at is, is a brand-new renovated arena here in Baltimore, and we haven't been there yet. It's only been open for a couple months. I kind of just assumed it would be a cluster because of them. And then I also just kind of assumed, like, Jonas Brothers, it would be a cluster and Baltimore would be a cluster. Like, there would be a whole bunch of reasons why it would be difficult to get in. Um, and so uh, I thought we were running really late because I wanted to get there pretty early. So we ran through the the McDonald's line, the the Burger King line, and got the spicy and got the honey mustard. Yes. So I have to say, my biggest critique across the board is the amount of sauce that is on the wrap will also be on the wrapper. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it happened on all four of them that we got. We each had a spicy and a honey mustard. So yeah, a little odd. They weren't bad. They definitely weren't bad. I have not gotten chicken from uh, Burger King in a while. Not that I eat there a ton, but I'll occasionally get a craving for an Impossible Whopper. Um, love that they have Impossible Whoppers. Like, I, they are so good. They, like, really just, like, scratch an itch in my brain when I'm really craving, like, beef-ish. Um, like, that, that taste. Um, so, love, love, love Impossible Whoppers. So, I haven't had chicken there in a while, and it was good. Um, it wasn't my favorite, but like I will, I would get it again. Do you remember how much they were? They were, I think, three bucks a pop, Ooh. and it was like not worth it. Okay, never mind then. That's a little steep. I thought that they were gonna be like a buck seventy, maybe. No. Wow. Yeah. They were pretty big though. They were bigger yeah. than I remember the McDonald's ones being. <gasps> but the McDonald's ones were cheaper, so. Yeah. So, and you could get a gogurt with the McDonald's ones. <laughs> and then they got rid of gogurts, and I was like, "Dude, like, what the hell? It was the perfect little duo." <laughs> um, I think that's pretty much all I have. They were fine. They're not as good as the McDonald's one. Um. Yeah, I would actually say my preference is probably the Wendy's one. So if you're interested, they only have one flavor. Like I said, I can't remember what it is. It's some sort of ranch thing, I think. Um. But I would maybe try Wendy's over uh Burger King. So we'll we'll talk about Jonas and like our our history with Jonas in a minute. And I don't know if you want to touch on the recent controversies or anything like that. I mean, I feel like I have to because it kind of hindered my experience a little bit. We'll get there when we get to th th that part of the show. So we arrive, brand new renovated arena in Baltimore, and it is nice. It is really nice, and 
It's very easy to get in. There's get a around. lot of space, very easy to get around. Lots of, I mean, there's a bar every three feet. Like, there's no reason to wait in line for anything. Merch all over the place. Um, everybody's friendly, easy to find your seat. Like, it was, I was like, wow, I didn't realize experiences like this could be this easy. In Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we're actually seeing queen there in a couple weeks and so this was kind of our like if they can do jonas brothers i feel like they can do queen yeah so well the demographic um is obviously a lot different yeah so i feel like um i felt old i will be honest i did feel old but then we're gonna feel like really young at queen yeah, yeah. so uh and we get there and we settle in just in time to see the opener uh the band lawrence you probably know them from tiktok that's how i knew them and I had seen that they were opening for um, for Jonas at, like, the Yankee Stadium shows, but I didn't know if they were going on tour with them. I didn't know if they had an opener at all because the show is three-plus hours long, the Jonas show. So I thought, I don't know if they're going to have an opener. That kind of just seems like a lot. Um, you know, when we saw Paul McCartney, obviously very different type of show, but he did three-plus hours. He did not have an opener. He started right on time, the end, you know. Um, and so I kind of thought something similar, but right before the show, Taylor was like, Oh no, they are. She Googled it and was like, Oh no, they are. And I was like, well, I'd like to get there early then because I'd like to see them. I like their stuff on TikTok, And, um, I thought they were awesome. They were like my favorite part of the night. Yeah. I have to say like, I guess I've been living under a rock. I had never heard their music. I don't even think I've seen them on TikTok or heard them on TikTok. Are you serious? You've never heard of them before? No. Wow. Wow, I've seen them a billion times. So that's crazy. We are on like very different ends of TikTok, I guess. Yeah. So I thought everybody's TikTok like overlapped though, like the Venn diagram overlapped with just like the most popular things. You know, like everybody sees the biggest trends, everybody sees the biggest sounds, regardless of like what your niche is. I guess niche? I mispronounced it. Okay. Um niche. yeah, niche. Um, I guess it's not the trend you think it is. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, I was, you know, do I wish that we had a little Billy on Electronica and DJ Crazy Times? I do, but it is what it is. Did you like them? I did. I did. I really liked them. Um, they were very fun, great stage presence. Um, Patrick and I were even more under the weather then, which, by the way, just to be clear, we've tested negative for COVID. We don't have the flu. It's just a cold. Um, so we were cautious when we went, but we were even more under the weather then. So I kind you of... Were, ju- I was still fine then. Oh, yeah. You weren't even sick then. I guess it was just me. And so I kind of just, like, stared into space. Um, and I probably looked miserable, but I was having a blast, like, mentally. Um, they were a very mentally stimulating band, I feel like. So I, I, I really... They were very, very fun. They... What those voices are insane they're so talented they're i kept thinking throughout the show um like they are the type of people who like yeah it's just a matter of time like they are so good and like so objectively talented and they have talent like oozing out of every pore that yeah all you needed to do was get in the right room and you're gonna have like all the all the success in the world yeah, you know, at first, when they first started doing their thing, I was like, oh, I really like this. And then after a while, I was like, is this, do I just like this because this is like a nine, ten piece band that plays um, fun soul and funk music? And does a horn section just make everything better? And do I just like their energy? And they played for a good probably 45 minutes or so. And I was like, no, I really like them. Like, I've liked every song, you know, some more than others, obviously. But like, 
I like all of it. I like their personalities. I like their sound. I like their energy. Uh, we recently, I kept thinking about this. We recently on our website wrote a piece that's futurepresentationvideo.com, by the way, about um, Stop Making Sense and the um, recent IMAX restoration of Stop Making Sense. And one of the things that we noticed then and talked about for that concert film, obviously the Talking Heads concert film, it's just the energy. I mean, there are like songs where they literally just like run in place the entire song. There's a song where David Byrne runs around the stage for the entire song. You know, I mean, there's just like this like energy that they just like have to get out. And they have that same energy, but it's with this like giant funk band, you know. And so you've got these guys like with their like saxophones, like running up and down like the length of the arena, like using the entire Jonas Brothers like set. Um I mean the uh, the lead singer she's like doing push-ups before songs start you know like they just they just have so much energy from their music that they they just kind of like explode with it. She is ripped by the way. <laughs> oh my god, you could see her abs <laughs> peeking out of that school tennis like tennis skirt situation. She is ripped. Um and I was like probably from all those push-ups every night, running around every night. Um yeah, I feel like Yes, definitely akin to Stop Making Sense. I saw, I almost said a production of, no. I saw a Foster the People concert um, in, God, like 2012-ish maybe. And I have to say like that like changed my life and lives rent-free in my head. Um, Foster the People, I don't even think, I don't know if they're around anymore, but they were a band of two people and they played like 10 different instruments. And so they would just run around the stage the entire set and then just like play instruments and sing and play instruments and sing and just like run in circles and it was crazy and like very very similar to that as well because everyone kind of did everything a little bit um yeah they were they were really fantastic i think that they're gonna have a very long um prosperous future um if not together but separate but definitely like they're all unbelievably talented if you know them from tiktok um here's some other bands that you might like Snarky Puppy is a very similar band, um, big soulful um, ensemble. Trombone Shorty is is a very similar performer with that kind of energy, and then vice versa. If you like those bands and and don't know Lawrence, then check them out on TikTok. They're really cool. Um, they have like the full music videos and stuff on YouTube. Um, okay, Jonas. So this is our second Jonas concert together. Um, but first I'd like to talk about a little bit about your, and this will kind of come up as we, we go, cause it is of course an entire set based on singing every song they've ever released. So part of that will be, you know, the nostalgia of it all, but just kind of the overview of your Jonas, uh, history. Oh gosh. I've been there since the beginning. I really, really haven't have. they all, uh, I really have. And so I, I, they were saying I'm already going to like blank on years. I believe their first album came out in what, 2006, 2007, I think 2007, uh, Patrick will pull up the set list while I'm talking and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like 2007. So I would have been like 10. So prime boy band years, if not a little bit on the younger end of the boy band craze hype thing in terms of my age. Um, and so I remember instantly loving their first album when they were singing it, it, it something that really surprised me is other albums like in my mind seemed to be like oh I bet I was a I, I remember being a big second album person or third album person but 
truthfully, it was all the first one for me. I, I knew every single song on the first album, which is, of course, their debut album, Jonas Brothers. Uh, and I remember, and they say in the show, well, they might not say in your show, but they said it in our show. Um, they said, you know, the Northeast area, which got a lot of snickers from uh, uh, Baltimoreans because we're kind of like mid-Atlantic, but... Um, he's, they said, uh, I think it was Nick. He said, um, you know, the Northeast is really special to us because this is the area that we would drive up and down in our like mom's car and we would do sets at like different fairs and events and things that would have us. And I was one of those people. I saw them at the Richmond, Virginia state fair with my best friend growing up, Rachel. Um, and I remember hearing their very first album. I mean, we hadn't even gotten to album two yet. Um, I don't, we hadn't even gotten to a little bit longer, which I think if correct me if I'm wrong, but might've been a single ahead of their second album. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I've been there since the beginning and I, to be honest, I would not have claimed that until this show, but the, the math is mathing in this sense. I mean, that, that is the album that is most special to me. It's the album that I remember the most. Um, and it's, um, the album that I, I interacted with the most. I don't have a clear memory of the way in which I interacted with that. Like, I don't necessarily remember having the CD and playing it over and over or, or whatever it was, but yeah, I do remember that album. Hold on specifically. I remember being, plastered on my tv um on disney channel like i feel like they played the hold on music video like constantly i have very much been on like y2k slash disney channel music video tiktok lately watching like i i saw the music video for miley cyrus's fly on the wall the other night which was so good and so slept on um and so i've just been having a blast and hold on is one that i think that i could like recount frame for frame like I remember that so vividly um that's just the way we roll um um Patrick has a set list up so I'm gonna um SOS I will quickly give you my SOS story um and that is this is very Y2K when you are a middle school to high school age girl in the early 2000s and you have a digital camera at your disposal uh not even an iPhone um when you have a digital camera at your disposal and you're having a sleepover literally like your hands are tied your hand is forced like you have to make a music video. That's all you can do. What else would you do? Prank call? I guess maybe for the first part of the night. But at some point, the camera's coming out, you're taking a photo shoot, and you are also um, you are also going to make a music video. So one night, <laughs> one night, my cousin and her best friend and I, um, which I was friends with her too, but um, we made a music video to SOS, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm going to plug the channel in case you want to go watch it. It is like truthfully so horrifically cringe. But the YouTube channel is Bethohaley. So B-E-T-H 
O-H-A-L-E-Y, Beth O'Haley, one word. Um, and yeah, it's a music video for SOS. And I remember the politics surrounding this were intense because one person always gets a, gets the short end of the stick and it was always me because I was younger and that ended up being, yeah, Patrick has it pulled up. Oh my God, it's so cringy. Um, I had to be the boy when he says like, like at the beginning of the song, um, I, I was like, I played a boy like on the date and I was like very salty about it cause I wanted to be the girl. So I threw on like an oversized, I think I'm watching right now. I think it's a Brown dare t-shirt and it was a gray Hurley hat. Do you remember Hurley? Like if you grew up in a beachside town and in, in the early two thousands, you know what Hurley is. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> Patrick is cackling. It's really bad and like really dramatic. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so bad. Um, it's very literal. It takes a very yeah, like walking on broken glass. We put red food dye on our feet. Like it's a very literal interpretation of the song. Maybe not nearly as poetic as they um they they wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, that just like oh my god, that is such a fond memory for me. I hope that I remember that forever. I truthfully, you know. Sometimes, no, sometimes I get anxious with how social media is growing and how the, like, your online presence is kind of just, like, pushed upon you at such a young age now. I get worried that, like, kids are going to start being social savvy and they're not going to have these, like, universal or what I felt to be universal moments of, like, having a photo shoot with friends and getting dressed up and wearing too much makeup and, like, making YouTube videos or, like, making, like, videos for people's Facebook page and being like, hi, you liked this message, so I'm saying hi. Like, I, I want my kids to have excuse me, those same cringy moments, not because I want them to embarrass themselves online, but I just feel like it, that, those are my fondest memories. Like I, yes, I look back at them and I cringe, but I do not regret them or feel embarrassed about them like whatsoever, because I know that I was like, that was one of my happiest nights. Like if you gave, if I had like a top 10 of like, like nights to remember, no, I'm just sick. Um, if I had like a top 10 of nights to remember, like that would be up there. It, it was really, it was so special to me and I had so much fun. So if you want to go watch it, go to youtube.com slash Beth O'Haley. Um, and, and it will be there lo and behold. Um, but yeah, so SOS was obviously a big one. Uh, year 3000 was on that set list. Can you, um, pull it up really quick again, Patrick? Um, I mean, Hello Beautiful, I loved, um, Australia, I loved, Just Friends <laughs> was one of my favorites. Okay, um, the so, do the, the backstory. okay, sorry. So like this album, which is what they kick it off with kind of was just like, so that was my album, I guess. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, like, the beginning of the show and how I was kind of unable to enjoy myself the rest of the night, which was, I don't know if it's the acoustics in this room, I guess we might find out when we see Queen in a couple weeks, or if it's just, like, 30,000, um, you know, uh, adoring fans, if you will. But when the show started, um, they come up through the floor. Obviously, it's very dramatic. Mm -hmm. 
see their heads. You can see, if, yeah, if you're in the 200 section, you can see them waiting to get pushed up, right? Um, they come up through the floor, and 30,000 adoring fans scream at the top of their lungs. And it was the loudest thing I had ever heard in my entire life. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It was truly like it hurt, like my ears. I physically felt my ears like like going back and forth. Like, did you feel that at all? My ears have been so stuffed up. Um, like my ears were like vibrating, not just like my eardrum, like my entire ear was like going like it was sounding the alarm. I believe you, but yeah, I luckily I have a very thick layer of mucus protecting my eardrum right now, so everything's a little bit mus- muffled. But yeah, it was loud as a hell, like it was crazy loud. Um, also, just something to know: very, I've I have not been to the Eras tour. Okay, I'm not like a diehard Swifty, but from what I understand, uh, people dress up for that show. People definitely dress up for this show. We saw a lot of like Disney Channel games. So like, if you're if you have tickets to a um, future date, uh, definitely dress up. You will not be the only one that stood out. Um, however, you will be the only. <laughs> however, we sat next to someone dressed as Lord Farquaad and seemingly no relation to the jo- Jonas Brothers. So not, not sure what's up with that. I would say if you went to the Jonas Brothers concert and you dressed up as Lord Farquaad, you would be the only one. But you wouldn't be, which is weird. So my my ears are like, they're on fire within the first race. I had to cover them up. I instantly pull out my phone. As soon as it dies down like a little bit, I pull out my phone and I, I Amazon earplugs <laughs> because we're going to some concerts soon. And I was like, if I'm lucky enough to have my, I cannot believe I don't have a ringing in my ears. Like that's how loud it was. Um, I can't believe I didn't have one the next day. Uh, and then after a couple songs, they, they introduce themselves. Hey, we're Jonas Brothers. And everybody screams again. And I got to cover my ears again. And, and then Joe, and we got to talk about this. Joe says, um, you know, it's good to be back here in Baltimore. Um, this might be, you know what? No, I'm just going to say it. This is the loudest crowd we've had this entire tour. Whether or not um, he's telling the truth, I believe him uh, because it felt that way. And then, of course, everybody takes it as an opportunity to do what? Scream again and show how loud they can be. And so within the first 10 minutes, they've done this. Like The crowd has done this like seven times. And I, it just... I don't know if I've ever gotten a headache that instantly before. I mean, I was fine at minute zero and one of the worst headaches of my life at minute 10. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was very, very brutal, but, um, I try not to let it get me down too much. Um, I, I actually had to work a work event the, the next morning. And so I had to make the very adult and not fun decision to just lip sync rather than scream sing as I typically do at concerts. So that was a little bit of a bummer, but it was worth it for my vocal cords. Um, okay, you want to talk about the controversy? Keep it brief. Uh, I'll try. Yeah, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, our guy, Joe, is not looking so hot. I don't know if you knew this, Patrick. But um, he said so, he, he made a comment at our concert that we heard that I did think was a little weird at the time, but I kind of brushed it off and the Internet has run with it. And we are like the place that he said that. And that is when he sings the song, please scroll down on the set list. Um, when he sings the song, keep going, keep going. 
Uh, oh my gosh, what is the baby song? Hey baby. No, it was called like Little Bird. I think that's what it's called. I don't know. Okay, I think that there's a song called Little Bird. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Um, it's on the album, so it's a newer song. Um, they kind of, if you're curious about how they organize the set list, I mean, one, you can go online and look. It's all there, and they do the same order every night. But um, they sprinkle their newest album in throughout instead of saving that for the very end. So it's cr- Yeah, because everyone would leave, I think. Um, it's chronological except for that sprinkling. So after the first album, I believe, um, they, they, do, uh, they do four songs from the album. And um, they get their fourth song uh, in that sequence is Little Bird, which is about their daughters and being girl dads and girl dads and being dads in general. Um, It's a really pretty song. I had not heard it until tonight. To be honest, like I will completely admit and say that I am not um, a a diehard Jonas Brothers fan now in terms of like their new new music. If a song is good, I'll listen to it, but I'm not going out of my way to consume their music. So I never heard the song before. Um, and right before they sing Little Bird, someone holds up a sign that says, um, my mom sent a little bird from heaven. Will you help me reveal the gender? So someone is asking him to reveal the gender. Joe takes over and does this. Then 30 feet away, someone screams like, wait, me too. And he turns around and he goes, wait, you also have something? And they have a sign that says like, Will you help me reveal the gender of my baby? So two people ask them to reveal the genders of their baby. I don't know if this is... I know that Harry Styles did this a number of times. I don't know if Harry Styles kind of popularized this. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Um, but I do know that when my entire feed was was Love on Tour, I would see clips like that a lot. Um, and Little Bird clearly about parenthood. And, um, you know, maybe this is not the first time that they've done this on tour. Regardless, Joe is very sweet to them. And he, he kind of like, I don't want to think too hard about this, but he does kind of like flip a switch. Like, I feel like he's been very like on his bullshit that night like not in a bad way but he's being like very sexy very flirty with the audience I think that's just kind of his mo I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing to do anyways when you clearly have like adoring fans that have grown up being obsessed with you and thinking you're hot like I'm not saying that that looks bad on him being flirty like that's what rock stars do um but he like flips a total switch he does a 180 and he goes like take your time come on come on up here no 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 yeah just take your time sweetheart what's your name? Like he just like goes, he goes into this very like different tone and he sings little bird and he reveals the gender. And somewhere along here, I can't remember when he said, if you're thinking about having kids, good luck. And people have taken, yes, I didn't catch that. I caught it and I thought it was a little weird, but I feel like also, we can all agree that having children is, like, difficult in some aspect, and it's not something to be done lightly, and so, especially if you're a rock star and, like, going on tour, um, and plus, all of their children are very young. Like, Kevin has the oldest, and I don't even know if they're out of elementary school, maybe in, like, early middle school, which is even harder to some to some extent. So, they're all very young. They all have girls. They don't have a single boy between them, I don't think. And so, um, they it probably is a little challenging. Like, But, yes, he said, if you're thinking about having kids, good luck. And he kind of just, like, left it at that. People I've seen online have taken that and ran with it and been like, 
this was so shady, especially with all of the custody battles going on between him and Sophie Turner. And so I was like, wow, like, I can't believe, like, Baltimore was the place for that. Like, I heard that. I heard that with my own ears. Um, so to give you this skinny on what's been going on, um, out of seemingly the, the blue. Skinny. The skinny. Yeah, the skinny. Um, out of seemingly the complete blue. We see news outlets report Joe Jonas has filed for divorce from Sophie Turner after, I think, four years in um, in a Florida court. I think it was Miami. And, it's again, it seems to have come out of nowhere. And um, it takes several days. And Joe does some weird things when this comes out. He's, like, still wearing his ring. He says at one of the, the performances, if you haven't heard it from these lips, don't believe everything you see. And immediately, news outlets are coming out from a trusted source saying that Sophie loves to party and Joe's really focused on being a dad. And, and Sophie just has all of these party girl late night tendencies maybe her priority is not on the children she's still like a young actor even though she's done game of thrones like she's still kind of like a younger actor with less consistent work so she's trying to figure that out and she's just like you know whatever keep in mind sophie turner is young i think she's 24 i think they started dating when she was like 19 so um you know he's like in his 30s and so she's a little bit younger than him um not to say that you can't be ready for big life commitment at that age but um no that's true i'm pretty positive um they started dating i think like i said when they when when she was 19 yeah she's 27 okay she's 27 am i correct about dating when they were 19 um anyways 2016 which would have been um 20 okay so 20 and then uh they were dating for several years um and apparently he dragged his feet on the engagement they ended up eloping in um in vegas which people say is like she probably you know pressured him into it after a super long engagement whatever you know anyways all of these tabloids are coming out and they are painting sophie as this horrible mom with really like um really misjudged priorities and it's making him look like the dream dad. Like, he's taking the girls on tour, and he's trying to balance being an amazing father and being, you know, a Jonas brother, and he's providing for the family, and blah, 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 blah. So, while this is going on, we go through, like, a week where it's just, like, screw Sophie, screw Sophie, screw Sophie, screw Sophie. Everything you see is just screw Sophie. So, people are going, like, well, it seems like Joe's team somehow got to the press with an insane amount of lead time. Like, how does that happen? Like, how is Sophie's team not coming back with anything right now? Like, that's very odd. And also, why is Joe's team making it seem like this? Um, then, about a week later, we finally hear from Sophie's team, or from, you know, a trusted source, that says, Sophie found out about her divorce through the media yikes apparently they had a fight he was on his hoe shit he was posting all over instagram all these thirst traps not a good look um and you know all sorts of things so um apparently a ring camera was involved joe saw something on a ring camera that he didn't like and that was a catalyst for a fight and then the eventual um settling for a divorce 
Um, I saw today that something has come out that apparently they were staying in some sort of like Airbnb situation, like not actually an Airbnb, but they were staying at someone else's home. And the owner of that home, not Joe and Sophie, had a ring camera um, installed. And uh, Joe, in secret, asked the person for access to the footage and saw that Sophie had a coworker, a male coworker from Game of Thrones, come over late at night unbeknownst to him when she was all alone. And that was kind of the catalyst for this. Not a great look for Sophie, but also, like, why is Joe snooping on her? Like, that's very odd. clear that this is all speculation, by the way, and all gossip? Yeah, obviously we don't know for sure. What we do <laughs> know, however, are court records. Court records have come out. Those are public record that you can go look at. Um, what we know is that in some way, shape, or form, Joe and Sophie had, prior to this divorce, agreed to move back to the UK. They actually were planning on planning on or purchase the house together they completely planned on the girls going to school in the uk they had lived in a lot of different places for very short periods of time all throughout the past several years as joe and sophie had been working on their independent product projects and so it was important for them to have a home base and they decided that that was going to be the uk and so for whatever reason joe was withholding their um passports um, and, and not allowing them to go back to the, the UK as previously slated. Again, it is all hearsay. You know, Joe's people then came out with a rebuttal saying, like, it was actually against the law to give the passports, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure that this is complex in a lot of ways. I need to get, like, the legal eagle on YouTube on it or something. Um, but regardless, it's messy. They are really, you know, Joe really came out swinging, airing a lot of dirty laundry that I think was inappropriate, and I think that that is the most um, damning evidence against him. So that's upsetting. I have to say that, like, it definitely – I was not a Joe girl. I was a Nick girl through and through. I feel like the Nick girls were, like, on top in in their prime. Like, if you were a Nick girl, you were cool. First of all, if you were a Kevin girl, like – like, are you okay? Like, do you need psychological evaluation? Um, If you were a Joe girl, it was, like – Oh, okay. It's like Nick was like Harry Styles to me. Like that Nick was like, yeah, of course you love Nick because he's like the best objectively. And Joe was like a very strong second contain contender of like Zayn Malik or or like Liam Payne or something. So to give you like a one direction comparison. Um, so I was a Nick girl back in the day, very, very, very proud Nick girl, was not really a Joe girl. Obviously, I wouldn't say no, but, um, I, I loved Nick. Did I feel like Joe had this insane glow up over the past several years, and, um, it, it was looking a little embarrassing for the Nick girls. It was looking like, hmm, did we maybe misjudge somewhere along the way because Joe is so cool and hot and dresses well and, like dates the taller girl and like is just so effortless and like whatever did we were we a little misjudged being nick girls but now let me tell you i've never been happier to be a nick girl oh boy i've never been happier to be a nick girl were you a nick joe or kevin girl i was none of the above you didn't have like even objectively one that you were more into i cannot stress this enough they did not enter my brain like i would see that like i knew that camp rock existed i would see them on disney channel games and stuff but I just cared so little about them that I don't even know if I could have told you their names. Wow, that's crazy. And now you've been to two of their concerts. I have. I have. Um, 
you have anything else you want to add? Um, like in general for this whole show? No, for this. Oh, no, I don't have anything I, I have I want to add about this particular thing. It's just messy. I hope that they get it resolved for the kids. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, I don't know. I hate celebrity gossip, but I know that it's integral to this episode, so I let Taylor have her time. It was also, when we did our um, Don't Worry Darling episode, it was integral, um, so we had the time there as well. The one thing I will add, though, is um, when he does Cake by the Ocean, which is maybe the best moment in the show because it's probably the best song in the show, um, and they're setting off uh, confetti left and right, and everybody's screaming and jumping up and down and whatever. Someone held up their phone, and it did that thing where it like flashes black and white. Um, people do it in crowds so that it really draws your attention. And it's small crowds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says, um, it said, "Boo, Joe, support moms." Yeah. So people clearly feel in some sort of way. Also, I know that this is their job. I'm, like, just being a, like, smutty little conspiracy theorist here. Him and that guitarist during Cake by the Ocean had some chemistry, huh? They did. They did. They did. I was like, ooh, I would not be seen 10 feet with – and he was with her, like, all night. Like, clearly they're friends. I wonder if she was in DNCE or whatever, but I was like, oh, my goodness. I would not be spending as much onstage time with her as you have this evening uh, with all these things flying around. It also seemed like she had chemistry with, like, the floor, too, so that's well, yes. more than anything. Um, yeah, so they spend a lot of time early on. Um, okay, so let's talk about a couple of things. They show an ad for popcorn before it starts, which is weird. Rob's Concert Popcorn. Backstage popcorn or whatever it is. And then it starts, and then they do all their early stuff in your brain. And no, also, and a, like, LASIK eye surgery ad. <laughs> and Kevin goes, like, when my baby brother Joe got the surgery, I knew it was the right one for me. And I was like, that's so weird. Can you imagine being, like, I know that, like, celebrities are just like us. And, like, if I recommend something to you, if I go, like, hey, Patrick, I ate this really good Burger King chicken wrap. You should go try it. But can you imagine, like, Kevin Jonas or, like, Joe Jonas being, like, yeah, guys, I got LASIK. And Kevin was like, really? How was that? I'm considering getting LASIK. Like, that's just so weird to me. But, like, LASIK eye surgery and, like, popcorn are, like, the two most boring things on the planet. Can you imagine if Harry Styles started his show with, like, an ad for Ticonderoga pencils? Like, that would be really weird. <laughs> this was weird. I think it's weird that you know what that is. What is that? It's, like, a number two pencil brand. Never heard of that. I'm a teacher. Okay, anyway. Um... So they do a lot of the early stuff, and, like, they can tell what the crowd wants, okay? Because the first album or two, they basically play every song in full. There's, like, a couple uh, mashups, but they're pretty much just doing those two albums back-to-back. They sprinkle the new songs in, as Taylor said, I think because they have to promote that record, and, like, it's mandatory. If, If they weren't doing that, you know, if this were, like... They were old and they were just doing these, you know, in, in chronological order. Like they would just put it at the end and it would be whatever, you know. But because it like came out six months ago, like they got to promote the record. So it kind of sprinkles through. But you can tell that the album um, Lines, Vines, and Trying Times, nobody gives a shit about. So I, I have to talk about this. <laughs> they hustle through this record. They do the whole record in like 10 minutes. They do not care at all. Nobody cares. Everybody checks out. And then it ends with their solo stuff, which is jealous, which is awesome, 
Cake by the Ocean, which is awesome, and probably the two best songs of the night. And then we left because our heads hurt, and we had work the next day, and we didn't want to sit through one, two, three, four, five, six, eight more songs to get to Sucker. Um, so we left early, and it also seems like we were not alone because on our way out the door, a lot of people had the same idea. We're walking out at the same time. Yeah, so I have to say, if you had asked me before going to this concert, which, which keep in mind, I saw them in 2021, I believe, the fall of 2021, um, and it was a, just kind of an album promotion concert, like it wasn't the tour, it was just like, yeah, of course, they're huge hits, but like, I haven't heard- It was for Happiness Begins. It was, yeah, it was for Happiness Begins, but I have not heard That's Just The Way We Roll since the Richmond State Fair, like I- I have not heard them because they don't play those songs. So I was really eating it up. I, once again, if you had asked me prior to this concert, what was your famous joke, your favorite Jonas Brothers album? I would have said, oh my goodness, I can picture it in my head. It's of course the white album with the gray text and they're all in that like cringy Y2K clothing, which is lines, vines, and trying times, but I just know it visually. I know that I had that record. I remember seeing it a zillion times. Whatever. Let me tell you, I did not know a single song. I knew I knew a little bit of Paranoid, which I recognized. Did not know a single other song. So I must have bought that album, like put it on display, and never listened to it because I did not know anything. And I guess I'm not the only one because, yeah, they play one full song, and then they do two giant mashups of the rest of the album. Um, however, uh, a little bit longer, love that album. That is the album, I think, where they're, like, in the rain in Tokyo or whatever. It looks so good. Um, that is, I just love that. And they did a mashup. So one, two of my favorite songs off that album, obviously there's, like, Burn It Up and Love Bug, which I'll get to and are iconic. But two of my other favorite songs on that album are Video Girl and BB Good. They would never play those songs. They would never play those songs in any other context. So I was, like, so lit that I got to hear part of those songs in the mashup. That was the funnest mashup of the night, I think, because I knew all of those songs enough. So then they do Love Bug, and they lead into Burning Up, which, oh my god, just an iconic sequence, if you ask me. I do have one more, like, Jonas Brothers tidbit, um, and that is... I, my best friend growing up, uh, this girl named Emily, we grew up together. I actually told a, a story about her dad a couple weeks ago. If you know, you know. Um, she got married uh, very quickly. Th- that makes it sound bad, but she had a very quick turnaround wedding. I think between her engagement and her wedding, it was like a month and a half. So very, very quick. Um, she, for, for many reasons, I won't get into it. Um, and so... She ended up having this really beautiful wedding at uh, this venue near us. Like, actually, it's like a university, and it was super gorgeous. And she had her reception at a family friend's house. A family friend who I did not know, which is a little weird, because I knew, like, everyone in, that was a family friend of hers, because I, like, lived with her for, like, many years of my life. I, we were attached at the hip. His name is Chuck Taylor, and he works in the music industry. And while I was at this gorgeous wedding reception at his beautiful giant house on the water in Hampton Roads, I um, was walking to the bathroom and couldn't help but notice that he had an entire hallway dedicated to 
all of the artists that he has worked with. Um, I think he's like a music producer, but I could be wrong. I was in high school when this happened. So I was in actually, uh, no, I was, yeah, I was in high school when this happened, like later on in high school. So walking to the bathroom and I'm clearly like ogling at all of these people, but I'm stood in front of the Jonas Brothers photo and I'm like, oh my God. It's like the Jonas Brothers when they're very young. Um, and I was like just staring at it and he came up to me. He saw me staring at it and he was like, oh, haha, are you looking at my Jonas Brothers picture? Looks like Chuck Taylor is a music journalist who writes for Billboard. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I knew in the music industry in some way, I wasn't sure which, so thanks for clarifying that. Um, and he said, um, he said, oh, are you looking at the Jonas Brothers picture? I said, oh my God. Yeah. Like I love the Jonas Brothers. That is so cool. I can't believe you met them, whatever. I'm sure he told me about being a music journalist and I just had forgotten that bit because the really cool thing that he told me was he said, do you know the song Love Bug? And I said, of course I do. That's like my favorite Jonas Brothers song. And he said, well, next time you listen, you will hear them say, hey, it's Chuck Taylor. And that's me. And I lost my ever-loving shit. It is, like, my fun fact now. Like, I tell it to everyone. I comment it on every TikTok I see about Love Bug. Like, I am just, like, I will tell that story until my lips go dry. Like, I think that that is the coolest thing ever because it's clear as day. And I saw someone comment it, comment and say, like, um, because they were going through all of, like, the little things you hear in that sequence where it's, like, fake talking in Love Bug. And one of them was, like, diabetes. And it's, like, that's so funny and, like, Y2K and weird and just, like, something you would throw in, like, if you are a brother band, I feel like, to just, like, make fun of something. Um, and someone commented and said, hey, John Taylor. And I went, actually, my little keyboard warrior self, because I have to flex, Actually, it's Chuck Taylor and I met him because I just, like, can't help myself. I think it is, like, maybe one of the coolest things of my life that I know that and I met him. Um, he's still – I'm friends with him on Facebook, I believe, because I was just, like, like, can I please, like, like be your friend? Like, I know you're, like, 50 years old, but can I, like, be your friend? Um, and so, yeah, but, yeah, it just – that's so cool to me. This is him, right? Yes, that is him. Okay, yeah, he's got his website. Uh, anyway, last thing I really want to say about this show, I'm, I'm kind of said everything I want to say, except for the fact that, like, I think they do a pretty good job of going through 67 songs in three hours. They do this show every night, and they're doing it for four months straight, and if you thought that Lawrence having to do their 45-minute push-up and track-filled set was tough, um, every night this is insane they have two stages they literally run back and forth they play a bunch of instruments there is an intermission which i think i i understand why it exists i'm gonna complain a little bit and say i think it sucks the air out of the room I agree. um but otherwise like they're hustling and this is as well designed as it can be you know it's kind of an impossible task and they know what people want to hear, and when people want to hear Burning Up, they have giant flames, and when people want to do Cake by the Ocean because it's the best song, even though it's not a Jonas Brothers song, they, you know, explode the confetti or whatever, and then when it's crap that nobody likes, they speed through it. Like, I think that they got that right. Unfortunately, it still takes over three hours, and that's just kind of long, and Nick says, like, at towards the beginning of the show, like, we're going to do all 67 songs. But we're going to be out of here by 11.15, so don't worry about it. And I was like, 
really? And then obviously we left a little bit early, but on setlist.fm, it says that they ended the show at 11.05. Um, so they're hustling. Um, unfortunately, that means that there aren't a lot of like anecdotes and stuff, which is something that I really like about concerts. Um, obviously, it's cool to see um, the music live, right? But like, uh, you can get that on Spotify. The one thing you absolutely cannot get are like the little stories and stuff, and that's like the thing that I really like about shows. And um, there weren't a ton of them, and when they had them, they were incredibly hokey. And it felt like they were, like, speaking at each other's funerals or something. I mean, it was like, you know, this song absolutely changed our lives. And I get it. It probably did. And I'm sure it means a lot to them. But it was very, like, I don't know, um, end of an episode of Full House or something. Like, it got very dramatic every time they spoke. Um, But I think the show is about as good as it can be. As someone who likes probably ten of their songs – those were like the 10 songs that they played in full because those are like the 10 hits. So I was good. Um, I thought it was a good show. Um, it was a good experience all around, except for the fact that I needed to bring earplugs. Yeah. I would say that I completely agree. I have to say like one of my big takeaways from this is that I realized that I actually think that the Jonas brothers maybe don't get enough credit. I think that they're really I think that they're really talented as, like, musicians and artists. I know that, like, Love Bug is not a, a lyrical masterpiece, but I do think for writing that in your own basement with no help at 14 years old as three boys, three, like, barely pubescent boys, like, that's, like, a pretty, like, you're clearly tapped in. Like, you clearly have a musical ability and like a lyrical ability that other people and kids do not have at that age. That's why we have the, you know, like Hannah Montana's of the world that aren't writing their own music, you know? So I feel like they're actually incredibly talented and, um, their, their voices are very effortless. I feel like they've really found their sound over the past couple of years. Um, although again, I don't seek out their music. I feel like I love that they have a variety of instruments, a variety of singers. It's very diverse band. Um, and I think that they're all the better for it. Um, they, they really know how to put on a show and yeah, they just are like, they seem, I I don't know. I think in my head, I will always see them as like the Disney channel made band. Um, but this show made me realize that they're not that they're actually like pretty self-made I think to an extent um and that's really that's really wonderful I think that that's awesome and um I think that they I'm glad that they've kind of come back and they're inspiring a new generation of fans and um yeah I think I think that maybe they deserve a little more credit musically than we give them um it's a shame that Joe's being such a poop head right now uh, I think that, yes, she was in DNC, by the way, the guitar player. Okay, because I was going to say, like, there's a reason that she is the second person in this song um, other than Joe, and also they have, like, great chemistry. So that's probably pulling on them touring with DNC. Um, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Um, I, I Actually, no, I will say I understand that, like, Taylor Swift is doing the Eras tour and like the Jonas Brothers are doing the tour and like, yeah, maybe this is a ripoff. I'm not sure. I don't know what came first, but I think everybody should do this. I really do. Like, I want to see Miley Cyrus do this. I want to see like so many people do this because, uh, what a blast. Um, I, I love reliving my childhood in this way. 
Um, again, like I, if you would have asked me a year ago if I ever thought I would hear them sing Video Girl, BB Good, Hold On, and that's just the way we roll on stage ever again, I would have told you no. Why would they ever play those songs on stage and waste those songs in, in a new updated set list? But this allows them to do that. And yes, I was lucky enough to see them at the Richmond State Fair when I was literally 10 years old, but not everyone was, and they never get to see these songs. And so, like, I love this layout. I hope more people do it. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm all for it. Okay. So, uh, why two kids is back folks. We're doing biweekly, um, through the end of the year, um, October two episodes. We go full spooky for the month of October on our website, feature presentation video.com. We got two episodes coming at you. One, uh, is in two weeks. It is Wallace and Gromit, the curse of the were rabbit. Um, we've been careful not to talk about, um, any, um, SAG or WGA struck work on the show, which is why we've gone bi-weekly, but it looks like we're making some, they are making some progress uh, in, in those realms, and also Wallace and Gromit, a British production, it's been on my list a long time anyway, it was something I dug as a kid, um, and so we're going to talk about it in a couple weeks, and then we're just going to do like a fun trick-or-treat episode where we talk about um, some of our favorite Halloween stories, so you have some cool um, spooky adjacent stuff coming up. Um, that is the best place to find us, our website, futurepresentationvideo.com. It is the home of everything that we do. Like I said, we're going to go full spooky starting in about a week, um, and you're going to want to be a part of it. So you can head over there. You can put your email address in, and we will send you everything that we do for free. The show can also be found, of course, on your podcasting app of choice, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, where hopefully you've already rated us five stars and left us a nice review. Hit that subscribe button. So uh, when we do post those episodes, they will show up directly on your phone. The best place to find me is at Patrick J. Regal everywhere online. You can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone. You can find me on Twitter or X at Mailer Talone. The best place to find the show, our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. We'll see you guys again in two weeks, we promise, with a little Wallace and Gromit. Uh, and uh, we'll see you then, folks. See you then. Did you just let it be? No, I'm doing a spooky thing. Uh, okay.